The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers, and welcome to Episode 3 of the Welsh Wire Podcast. On today's show, Sherry Welsh talks about business succession planning with Sarah Fazio of Christ Enderly in Grand Rapids. Sarah, you told me that you get involved a lot with some challenges that your clients face. You get called in sometimes into some situations that can be a little troublesome for business owners. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, A lot of my practice focuses on areas where... um, there's family. There's a family-owned business, and so you have a small business, and um, they run it like they run their family, and they essentially have a uh, patriarch or matriarch in charge of the business, and it just runs that way for the duration of that person's lifetime. And when they die, everything turns into upheaval. And we have, you know, you have family members, maybe several of whom think they're going to take over the business um, or disagree about how the future of the business and how it should be run. And that transition period for the business itself, as well as for the family, is very disruptive. I would have guessed so. So you're getting called in those situations sort of after the fact? Yes. Unfortunately, when I get called in after the fact. And I've noticed a lot of times recently... Um, how those issues can be prevented. So I've teamed up sometimes with our estate planning attorneys here and our business attorneys, and we've discussed succession planning and how we can avoid those situations in the future for some of these families if they, one, have conversations about it, and two, plan for it. Right, right. So how do you plan to transition your business? I mean, it it is not something I think that most business owners think about as you testifying to until it's almost too late. That's, that's right? exactly right. So how do you how do you put clients in that frame of mind to start to think about that? Because there are a lot of baby boomers that are mm-hmm. aging out, looking toward retirement, but don't have that plan in place. How do you nudge them to think about that? You know, it's that situation is always fluid. Um, it just depends on the business and it depends on the family. Uh, I've had kids, you know, adult children come to me because you know, dear old dad or mom is getting older and may not be even be making the best business decisions anymore. Um, and they, they want a sort of a plan for how to allow that person to retire and move on and have confidence that the kids or a manager is able to run the company. Um, and sometimes there are, there are business owners who recognize that they're not going to live forever and they need it. Or, or not need, you know, they need to figure out what's going to happen with the business, whether that business is going to close, whether it's going to be sold and, and whatever, you know, the, the price is that, that goes to the, to support the family or whether they want to continue the family as a, or the business as a family business. So there are a lot of decisions to Absolutely. be made, a lot of moving parts. So is there, is there a right time? Is there a right age? If I want to be proactive and thinking about this, should I be thinking about this at 55? Should I be thinking about it at 60? I mean, when I think about succession planning, I also think from a talent standpoint about perhaps bringing other people into your business. 
right. as key leaders that could segue into that top chair if there's a family member that's not interested or not available or or could even be maybe you want to get a family member in earlier and bring them along if you want to transition to the family. I mean, how do you help them think through all of those things? I think, you know, because because nothing's guaranteed and you never know what's going to happen, I think you need to think about succession planning from the moment you have a successful business. Um, so it's never too early is what you're saying it, to make a plan. It isn't. Um, and a lot of times that, that plan will fluctuate, especially if, you know, it's a family business and your children are still in college or not ready to take over the business or don't want to work for the business at that time. You need to have a plan in place for who would manage uh, in the interim. We have a lot of situations where there's, you know, kids who grew up in the business, one or two or more more indicate that they would like to work there, that they would like to run it in the future, but they're not ready. They're too young or they, you know, they just don't have their feet wet or they're still in school. Uh, in that interim time period, you need to have some a management plan for who would manage before, until the kids are ready to take it over. Um, and maybe, you know, there's a lot of businesses where the kids, for some reason, have a, a bad taste in their mouth about the business in general, and they don't want it. And those people need to decide what's going to happen when they're gone. Do they want to just have the estate sell it uh, as a going concern and take the profit? Or do they want want to put management in place? Um, are there in-laws? You know, a lot of times there's in-laws that want to come in or siblings. Um, so those are the sorts of things they have to think about. You, and you help them through that, absolutely. I assume. So you have a, through a series of questions that you ask them, sort of challenge them to develop that roadmap? Yeah. a lot, And a lot of it is encouragement too uh, from the front end, because a lot of times, especially in a family owned business, the, the leader doesn't want to give up control and they've, they've created this business and they're emotionally tied to it and how they've run it for so long that they, they almost can't get into a different framework of thinking who's someone's going to take this over and run it. And they might, they may not do it exactly as I have. Um, and so you need to encourage them because, it's best for everyone and it's best for the employees. A lot of these businesses have 50 employees or more. Right. Um, you don't want to leave everyone out in the street. So, right. And they're wondering. I, I, I got to believe the employees are wondering too. If, if you don't have a clear cut plan and you're not communicating that to your employees, as a member of that team, those employees have to be sitting back there and wondering what's going to happen when John decides he's done. What's going to happen if he falls ill? Or, or it, yeah, if John gets dementia. Or right, or, or John crazy has crazy decisions. Sure, yes. right. He has a medical event that's an emergency, and all of a sudden can't come back to work, or um, is going to have to be out of work Correct. for a while. I would imagine that creates a little bit of current of unrest within the team. Where if you do have a plan in place and can communicate that with your senior leadership and your whole organization, Absolutely. everyone can sort of take a deep breath and say we're okay, we've got continuity here. Right, because if you don't have that and you have a medical event or there's dementia, you get a lot of nervousness. And if there's a decent job market, people will start leaving. Absolutely. And we're going out on their own. Uh, so you need to give them the confidence that the, the business is going to survive um, any different sort of uh, medical medical situations that may that, you know it's that the, 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 the business itself is not the same as the human being. And that that will continue to thrive regardless of what happens to a single person. And the way that we do that essentially is, A, making sure that they have a comprehensive estate plan so that we know who owns the company. Um, 
in the event of their death. Um, they can have, uh, uh, in addition to that, uh, a business plan for what happens when the succession planning or succession is required. Is this, is, are the shares sold? Is it a corporation? Uh, is there a new manager if it's an LLC? Um, and those are all things that they really do have to think about. And there's always a surviving spouse that you usually have to consider too, because uh, often the income from that company is, is maintained to take care of that person for the duration of their lifetime. Right. Um, so it's, it sounds like it starts with the management plan. So you, you got to get them thinking first about if you're going to be out for some time, you but just I step think those, away. But I think those things go in tandem because you need an estate plan too, because what okay. you can't have is you cannot have, say, the children of the estate fighting over who owns the shares of the company. Because if it does, somebody is going to want to sell. Someone in, inevitably wants to sell to a third party or a buyer, and they're going to shake up the ownership of the company. And so you need to have the estate plan and and the succession plan sort of f- fitted together. All pulled together. Yep, that makes and, a lot of sense. And especially, in, well, in, particularly in, in family-owned businesses, you it's it's absolutely essential in my estimation as you know some people will disagree with me that that plan is well communicated to the family and i know those are uncomfortable uh, discussions to have sometimes with you know the three kids who show no interest in owning a paint company um that they're not going to own anything and that their brother or their sister is going to essentially end up with all of it um but it's it's not fair and it's it's very disruptive for the company to have that conversation after you're gone, mm-hmm. um, and it prevents a lot of litigation. I bet uh, it's publishing the estate plan, publishing the business plan, telling the kids oh, repeatedly what will happen when you're gone, and and then if they have a concern or they they maybe you don't know that, but you know your third youngest wants to actually work there or wants to own part of the company. It's your that's. That's the opportunity to invite that kid into the business and train them before it's too late. Right, right. So it's real. It sounds to me like there's two parts to this too. I mean, it's it's the strategy of developing right. the estate plan and the management plan and thinking this all through. But it's also the communication of that plan that makes a big difference on so many levels. Making right. sure that all the people that are involved, all the moving parts, it's that are lack informed. of communication that creates the most litigation. No kidding. Absolutely. A lot of, I, I don't know how often I've seen this, probably, you know, any of my cases dealing with a family-owned business, um, you have someone who's shocked that they were left out, and they're hurt, and they're angry, and now they have, you know, an inheritance, and they're going to spend it on an attorney. Wow. And a lot of times in these cases, you don't just litigate the actual estate plan or the dispute. I'm litigating hurt feelings and and, and things that we actually can't provide a remedy for. Right. They're just so upset. And it's because it's a shock to them. And the, the best thing you can do for your family when you have a business or you have assets that you're going to dispose of maybe in a non-equal way is communicating that from the outset. Yep. So yep. they don't have that shock. That's great advice because I cannot imagine the turmoil that litigation, a family member litigating their ownership potential in an organization while other family members are still running the company. Right. What that causes for the business and, and a distraction, not Absolutely. only for them as owners, but for everybody else in the organization wondering what is going to happen here, um, that's got to be very disruptive. It is. It's very disruptive. And I, it's, it's so preventable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let me let me switch gears and just ask you about selling because for many small companies they may 
get the idea that, you know, there's really no one in the family. We've had the conversation. No one wants this anymore. I think I might want to sell. I want a position for sale. How do you help with that process, Sarah? Uh, well, I would encourage if, if they decide they want to sell, uh, and it's often it's, it's internally, you know, often there's a sale to, you know, someone who's been on the management team for years. I would encourage them to do that upon, upon retirement or near retirement and not waiting until they die and letting the estate sell it. Um, whenever an estate or a trust uh, sells a business, there's an added layer of complexity. It's not just a simple transaction where you go to close and transfer shares or transfer the LLC. You now have to deal with uh, beneficiaries and reporting requirements to the trust um, or the or the probate court if an estate sells it. Often there's approvals that are required. Um and there's always discontent thinking that the price isn't the right price or it's unfair, and then they go litigate that. Um, and so if you think you want to sell your company and you and you just get rid of it because there is no family interest in continuing to run it, then, I, then you, that decision should be made very, very close to retirement. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, you mentioned price too, and that, that popped into my mind immediately when you said that, that probably what you're going to get for the business at that point yes. is going to be significantly less than what you would be getting if you had thought about this earlier. For example, after right. the owner dies, if you're selling the business, then it's going to be valued much less potentially than if the owner was still around. Right. And it's it's it. an epidemic of people thinking, everyone thinks they're going to get more out of an estate than they're actually going to get. Oh, sure. Yeah, and I've heard that. You have you have individuals who have probably never worked at the company thinking, dead. Dad worked so hard, and he created this company. It's worth so much. It's what you know brought up our entire family, um, and they don't have the knowledge of the company, so that when that price is set, they're automatically upset about it. They think it's worth more, and they want more. And what they don't understand is litigating that and disputing it just drives the price down. Right. Um, yeah. And so it, when you have individuals like that kind of running the situation, and they don't have the knowledge of the business, it's, it's typically problematic. You're better off selling it earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Good things to think about. So how long do you think it typically takes to bring someone through a whole process like this? And I'm sure it varies widely, but you know, if I'm hearing this today, I'm thinking that's me. I need to start working on a succession plan for my business. Should I allow 12 months to put it together? Six months? I mean, what? I think you could put it together in three to six months. I mean, we could put it together here in, you know, 60 to 90 days. It's, it's figuring out what it is you want. Uh, that's typically most time consuming and having those conversations, having the conversations with your management team, having conversations with your family, uh, deciding who is most appropriate or business savvy or knows the most about your particular business and would be able to run it, whether they would want to, because I strongly encourage them to have that conversation too, because just because you think junior is really good at running, you know, your, your carpet cleaning shop doesn't mean he necessarily wants to. Absolutely. That's um, true. And so you do have to allow time for those conversations to happen. Um, talking to your financial advisor, a lot of times the accountants have input. Um, so that's most time consuming. It could take six months. Okay. Okay. And you can help them through every step of the way Absolutely. in developing those plans too. What do you think, um, we, we touched on this a little bit, but what do you think that a well thought out plan means for the health of the organization as it moves forward. So I put that plan in place and I'm maybe not intending to retire for 10 to 15 years mm -hmm. or or sell. But what do you think that means to the organization, the viability, the talent, the workforce there? 
I mean, I think it's tremendously valuable because you it helps retain talent when they understand that the business isn't a human being. It's it's an entity in and of itself and that they're working for a well-managed business. Uh, there's a lot more comfort that they have with, you know, not identifying with a single person. Um, and it's just, it makes the structure more dynamic and they understand that there's a talent pool that they can they can search from. And, and they also feel like they have some input too if their ideas are pulled uh that they that there's good there's going to be a going concern regardless of what happens to an, a single individual or a single family member it's, it's very impactful then it makes very. a big difference let me ask you and you've had a lot of experience with this can you share of a situation names change protect the innocent of course but a situation <laughs> where you worked with a client and had the luxury of being able to see a well thought plan implemented rolled out and really make a difference for that family or that that um that company yeah. I mean, one of my most recent ones was a large family farm and they had a lot of kids, about more than five. <laughs> and only two of them had any interest in working on the farm. I mean, some of them were doctors and one was a lawyer and one was a realtor. Um, and so they had that discussion and, you know, it was interesting because all of the other kids were very relieved because they had moved away. They don't, they, they didn't, they didn't identify with being farmers. They didn't like it. Um, and they were all wondering what they were all wondering what they were going to be saddled with at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they provided a buyout provision for the kids who wanted to take it over and work it. And it was at a discounted rate. And um, so does that essentially, you know, benefit them more than the other siblings? Yes. But the other siblings had that conversation with their parents and said, they're doing us a favor because they're taking over the family farm. It means so much to them. It means so much to the whole family to keep it in the family. And we're talking a massive farm. Um, a lot of it, a lot of the farm had to be leased out because they wasn't, you know, two oh, people yes. who were capable of taking care of it. Um, but they felt like though, because those, those two kids had put in so much time and so much sweat equity into the farm and had always worked it that they should get a, they should, they should get a premium for that. And that makes sense. And there were, I mean, everyone's still alive today, so I can't tell you how it turns out. But I, I, I all of those conversations happened, and it, it was a very functional process. And they all, they've all gotten notice. They all understand what's going to happen with the real estate. They understand what's going to happen with the family farm. They understand how mom's going to be taken care of if dad predeceases. And they're all very comfortable with that situation. And the kids who don't want to be farmers now don't have to worry about not being farmers. Excellent. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> Everyone wins. That's great. Because on the other hand, I can tell you, I've seen the other, <laughs> I've seen the other side way more often as the litigator and oh. it is a disaster. Um, I've seen companies have to close. Oh. Um, I've seen forced sales. Uh, when you have a survive, I had a surviving spouse and a, a one, the oldest child who desperately wanted to keep the company and had, um, kids from another marriage who insisted on selling it and they were forced to sell it. And so it's just, it's heartbreaking in those situations. Right. right. I, I love the, the happy story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I love that you can get them to that yeah. place where it works out. Sometimes well I have to tell everybody. them the unhappy story to get them to the happy story. <laughs> right. The shock of it, right? Because right. it's real. Absolutely. It, it is real. And so, and that's why we're talking about it today. Cause we're really hoping that some, someone who's listening is going to say, that's me. I need to get that taken care of. I'm not going to wait any longer. Right. So with your experience, if you had to give our listeners like three pieces of great advice, you're owning an, your own business, mm-hmm. small company. What kind of advice would you give them today, Sarah, for, for how to run and, and handle this succession planning? 
I would have them create a succession and transition plan in writing, follow it, which means train the people that you think you're going to train. A lot of you let go of some of that control as you age uh, and publish it. Make sure everyone knows. Make sure your management team knows um, so that you know your employees don't leave and make sure your family knows. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.